results, he said, comes from overcoming temptation. Number one, you're going to be happy. Number two, you're going to receive a reward. Now, there are two kinds of tests. Yeah, that works better over here now, doesn't it? There are tests that come from God. We call those trials. And there are tests, if you will, that come from Satan. We call those temptations. And God He will put you through trials, but it's for your good. It is there to only help you, never to hurt you. But what about Satan? No, he's always got your worst interest in mind, not your best interest. God, on the other hand, wants you to grow. Satan wants you to sin. Well, how do I win over temptation? How do I say no when I really want to say yes? Well, we're going to talk about that this morning. There are five ways. Number one, be realistic. Look at 13a. Notice it says, when tempted. Did you notice that doesn't say if tempted? In the Greek and the English, it both says when tempted. So be realistic, folks. It's going to come. You're going to face it. Adam and Eve faced it. If Jesus faced it, what makes you think you're not going to face it? We will face temptation. When tempted, the Bible says. You know, sometimes people can come across so pious. I had a guy one time tell me, oh, I haven't been tempted in 30 years. Check your pulse, buddy. (laughs) You're either dead or you're lying, you know. My Bible says, <laughs> if I've not sinned, uh, I'm a liar, and the truth is not in me, according to John. First John, anyway. It's what I call a cross between a crocodile and an abalone. It's a crocodile. So don't fall for it. Now, two quick passages. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13a. No temptation, notice the word, temptation, it's going to happen, be ready, it's going to happen, has seized you except is what is common to who? Man. Temptation is the common lot of life. We have a common denominator. I am tempted, and you are tempted, and the Bible says we're all tempted. Even look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Jesus was tempted. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without something. What's the, without, what's the something? Sin. Did Jesus ever sin? No. Not one single time did he sin. Was Jesus ever tempted? You bet. Well, I thought temptation was a sin. No, it's not. If temptation were a sin, then Jesus would have sinned and would not be qualified to die on the cross. Temptation's not a sin. It's giving in to the temptation that is a sin. Get it? Good. All right. So, let's move right along to point number two. Be responsible. 13b. When tempted, no one should say... God is tempting me. God is tempting me. The devil made me do it. No, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Don't blame God. 
God won't tempt you. And the devil can't make you give in to temptation. He can tempt you, but he can't make you. You've got to choose of your own volition if you give in to it. heard a story about a manager of a minor league baseball team who was so disgusting with his center fielder's performance that he ordered the center fielder to the dugout and the manager himself assumed the position of center fielder. And the first ball that went out there took a bad hop. Hit the manager right in the mouth. Second one, boom, high, fly ball, and he lost it in the sun. Boom, hit him right in the forehead. Third one, hard line drive, hit him right in the eye. The manager was so furious, he ran over to the dugout, he grabbed the center fielder by the uniform, and he says, you've got center field so messed up that even I can't do a thing with it. Oh, we human beings love to play the blame game, don't we? We blame everybody. We'll blame God. We'll blame the devil. We just don't want to blame ourselves, do we? The devil made me do it. We love to play the blame game. The fact is I bring most of my problems onto myself. So be realistic. Be responsible. Then you need to be ready. Be ready. Verses 14 through 16, and we'll get into this in a little deeper mode in a moment. But he says, each one is tempted when by his own desires. Own evil desires. That sin nature. You've got a spirit man in you, but you've also got a human man or woman in you. Do you not? Do you ever feel him wrestling? (laughs) you ever feel like the good angel over here and the little devil over here and... And this one's whispering in one ear, and this one's in the other, and who are you going to go with? We've all been there. James is just saying, be ready for it. It's going to happen. Be ready. He is dragged away and enticed. So he says, knowing the devil's going to try to drag you away, knowing the devil's going to get the little lure up and try to entice you, his direction, be ready for his game. Be ready for his scheme, his plans that he has for you. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Temptation doesn't give a warning. It just, boom, happens. I don't know if you ever heard the name, a guy named Bobby Leach, a number of years ago. I haven't heard anyone do it lately, but remember when people were making these custom-made barrels and then going over the Niagara Falls in them? This was one of those guys. And, and it, it was well documented, and he went over Niagara Falls totally unharmed. One week later, he slips on a banana peel and breaks his leg. He can go over Niagara Falls, but slips on a banana peel. It's the little things in life that get us, right? When you're not ready for it. He was ready for Niagara Falls, he just wasn't ready for the banana peel. James comes along and says, I want to give you a warning, guys. Hey, guys, it's coming. It's coming. Not only be realistic, not only be responsible, but be ready. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, in order that Satan might not outwit us, you know, he's going to try. For we are not unaware of his, what's the next word? Schemes. What's that mean? That means the devil's got plans. 
He is already scheming and planning to trip you up, to entice you and drag you away, lure you away from the God that you love. Now, in 14 and 15, we see how he does it. It's a four-step process. And there's nothing new here, folks. Nothing new at all. What we're about to read really goes back to the Garden of Eden. It goes all the way back to the days of Adam and Eve where the serpent came along. And he said, hey, Adam and Eve, nice house, great garden, wonderful place to live. Is it all yours? Can you eat of all these things? Oh, yeah, it's all ours. God gave it to us. Well, well, with one exception. Uh, Over here in the middle of the garden... There's a tree, a special tree, that God says we're not to eat of. We're not even to touch it. Oh, really? Well, why did he say that? He says, well, the day we do will be the day that we surely die. And the devil says, you'll not die. What are you talking? Come, show me that tree. And so, you know, maybe they walked to the middle of the garden and looked at that tree. And, oh, man. They're thinking, well, that's the one. We don't come here often because we want to stay away from that, but you don't have to be afraid. Each one is tempted, verse 14, when by his own evil desires. Isn't that weird how there's just something in us that we desire the thing that we cannot have? And then when someone starts messing with you, like the devil does here with Adam and Eve. And says, but look how good it is. You know, if you go back and you read Genesis chapter 3, it will say, it was good for food. If you read 1 John, he'll say, there's really three kinds of sins. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh. Ooh, it's food? Adam, look, this. Look how much better this fruit looks compared to all the other fruit that God has given us. Now, folks, it never says it was an apple, okay? That's just modern myth. I don't know what it was, but it looked really good for food. We know that much. It starts on the inside. Temptation is an inside job. You never just go do something. The temptation is there. The desire's there. And and isn't it weird how Satan will take routine desires, like eating and drinking and sleeping. We'll have those desires. And then turn them into runaway desires. Here is one of those cases. It's good for food. Lust of the flesh. Then we read lust of the eye and the pride of life. Deception, step number two in this four-step process. He is dragged away. Not only is he dragged away, he's enticed. He's dragged away and enticed. Now, is Satan dragging him to the tree? No. But he's luring them. And it's as if he was dragging them. But it's their own desire. It's good for food. They said, it's pleasing to the eye. Read Genesis 3. And they will say, it's desirable. There's that vain glory of life that John talks about. It can make me wise. Like who? God. 
That dirty dog, God, he didn't want us to be like him. He's holding out on us. So many times we think God's holding out on us when he's given us these Ten Commandments for our good, never to hurt us, only to help us. And that word, or the words dragged away, it's a hunter's term. Uh, If you ever watch these shows on television where they're up in Alaska or the remote wilderness and they're off the grid and they have to hunt, one of the simplest but most lethal of traps is a snare. And an animal puts its head in that snare and once it realizes it's caught, it tries to pull away and that tightens up and it's over. It's a hunter's term. Dragged away, it's the word for snare. And then you see the word entice, that's a fisherman's term. It's the word for lure, to lure in by bait. And, and the secret to great fishing is to know the right kind of bait for the right kind of fish. Let me tell you something about what Satan knows about each and every one of you. He knows what will lure you in and what will not. There are certain things that he knows about me that I have a propensity for. And so those are the lures he will use. But there are other things that he may use on you that I don't have any desire, just would not work on me. And so he uses different forms of bait. Years ago, I was still in high school. spent a summer in Salt Lake City, Utah. And one weekend we went fishing at Lake Strawberry. There were four of us, we hopped in the boat, and we all got our rods and reels out, and we all put our lures on, and and we were going to do some trolling. So we got them out there in the water, and we're trolling along, and whap! It wasn't but about a minute, and a big old trout, I got it, reel it in, hold it up, first one of the day. And they said, what are you using for, for a lure? I showed them, and they took theirs off and put like kind on. It was a great day. The devil's like that. He knows what will work and what will not work, but here's the problem. Isn't that weird how we can read this and we can know this and yet we keep on biting? We just keep right on biting. I I can imagine. Here's, Here's this little trout being followed by Buddy Trout. Grabs my lure and he disappears. Wow. Where did Joe the Trout go? He had this little shiny thing in front of him. Hey, there's one for me. Whoop! There he goes, and the one behind that one goes. We just keep on biting. We never learn. James says, if any man lack wisdom, if you need some wisdom, right, it's in a context of trial and temptation. Say, God, make me aware of the schemes, the plans that the devil has to ruin my life. And then number three, disobedience. We got desire. We got deception. We got disobedience. It's good for food. Adam, look how good it is. It's pleasing to the eye, and it's going to make us like God. Don't you know that's stuck in their minds for a little while, all the way up to that tree? But then, after desire has conceived, so you think on it, you're enticed by it, you're lured away by it, now this thing has become pregnant. And it's about to give birth. And boom! You conceive sin. Here goes for them. Now God said we're not to touch it. Not only did He say don't eat it. He said don't even touch it. 
you can imagine. Well, one little touch. Come on, let's see. Adam, look at there. We're still alive. He said we will surely die. And Mr. Serpent here says we won't. It looks like Serpent's right. God's wrong. We touched it and we didn't die. And if we can touch it, grab that thing down. We can eat it. Come on, honey. Have one little bite. And he does. And she does. Desire. When it's fully, fully developed, conceived, leads to disobedience, which leads to sin. And they died. It started in the mind. No action takes place without it starting where? Up here. Adam and Eve fantasized about being like God. And what starts in your mind comes out in your life. Someone says, well, what's the danger in a little harmless fantasy? What starts in your mind comes out in your life. Don't even get it started. Because step number four, this is the fourth in the four-step process, leads to death. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. God was not lying when he said, you shall surely But what do we learn about that from the Bible? We learn from this book that death that God is talking about is not a physical death. It's a spiritual death. It was a spiritual separation. At that moment, they were dead spiritually speaking. And God placed them outside of the garden where they could no longer have fellowship. And he placed a cherubim, an angel, with a flaming sword, keeping them from the garden to get to the tree of life. And so they did begin to die physically. But the emphasis is on the spiritual death. Now, what's Adam and Eve's story have to do with our story? Well, when we were born, we like God, or we like Adam and Eve, were born into fellowship with God. And as we began to grow up and learn right from wrong, we came to our Adam and Eve moment where we had to choose. This road or that road? This road leads to life. That road leads to death. And with eyes wide open, we chose death. And we too were separated. Is this making sense? Do you see why James is saying, be very, very careful here. You shall surely die. We are free to choose any way we want to live. But remember, there are consequences. Kicks have kickbacks. Now, How do I say no when I want to say yes? I've got to be realistic. Know that sin is the common lot of man. I've got to be responsible. I can't blame the devil. I can't blame God. And then I've got to be ready. But number four, I've got to be refocused. Verse 17. He talks about good gifts. See, our God is a giver of good gifts. And what does he want us to focus on in our life? The negative or the positive? The positive. So if you want to overcome temptation, quit delving into the darkness. Stick with the light, the good stuff. Every good and perfect gift, verse 17, is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. And since temptation begins with a thought, 
then changing our way of thinking is the key to overcoming that thought which leads to temptation, which leads to conception, which leads to sin, which leads to death. See the process? That's why Paul will say in Philippians 4 verse 8, whatever's true, and I kind of made these a little bit bold. Let's just look at the key words. Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, lovely, excellent, admirable, praiseworthy. Those are the things to think on. See, if you just say, oh, you know, I've got to get rid of sin in my life. I've got to get rid of this temptation. I've got to get rid of And you get rid, get rid, get rid. But if you don't replace that with something good, there's, there's going to be a void there. You know, I not only got to say no to sin, but I've got to say yes to what? God. The good things, the pure things, the holy things. And when I fill my mind with that, then the other can be defeated much more easily. If you think about positive things, your life will be or tend to be positive. But if you fill your life with negative, stinking thinking stuff, then your life is going to tend to be more negative. But there's one last key. I mean, you can be realistic and responsible and ready. You can be refocused, but if you're not reborn, there is no way you're going to make it from this planet to the next without crashing and burning and giving in to the evil one. The only way you're ever fully going to avoid temptation and conquer it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You can't do it on your own. You can't. You need God in your life. Verse 18, he chose to give us birth. That's new life, folks. And and where did you get the new life? Where did you hear about this new life? You must be born again. You heard about that from the Word. Not a single one of you got saved without the Word. The Word of life. It comes from God. It comes from heaven. Salvation's from heaven. We sing a song, He came from heaven where? To earth. From the earth to the cross. From the cross to the grave. Lord, I lift your name on high. He's back in heaven, but my Bible says he's coming back. He's coming back for those that have life, those that have been born again, those that have new birth. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. You don't have enough willpower to break your bad habits without God. You'll never say no to temptation until you say yes to God. And even then it's going to be a battle. Even then it's going to be a struggle. That's why Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. That's a great promise. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way of escape. It's the Greek word ekbasis. We get our word exit sign from it today. It means out this way. It's God's job to provide the way of escape, but whose job is it to take it? Ours. See, it's a team effort. God says, you know, I can lead you to the water, but I can't make you drink the water. 
I can lead you to my son Jesus, but I can't force you to take him. It's a free will kind of a deal. If you want him, he's yours. He's there for the asking. He, he, he already died for you. He wants to live for you. He wants to help you in this area. But you've got to receive him. He also provides a way out so that we can stand up under it. What's the payoff if we do? Back to the first verse that we started with this morning. Blessed is the man. The word blessed is the Greek word makarios. We get our word happy. You want to be happy? Happy is the man that endures temptation. That's that good feeling you get when you're tempted and everything within you is saying, go for it, go for it, eat it, do whatever. And you say, no, I'm listening to a higher authority. And you go, wow, thank you, God, the Holy Spirit helped me with that. I am happy I resisted that temptation. Happy is the man who endures temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those that love him. Can you say amen to that? Amen. I want it. You want it. Let's pray about it and ask God to help us get it. Father, we thank you for this message from the book of James. Thank you for the powerful word, the straightforward word that he gives us on how to overcome temptation. What is your weakness this morning? What is your hot button? Where does Satan bait you and try to lure you away and entice you away? Maybe you'd say, Lord, this morning, I just want to admit to you, God, i got a real tendency to you fill in the blank. Maybe it's exaggerate. Maybe it's to be wishy-washy. You know, I'm with you one day, God, I'm not with you the next day. Maybe it's to say hurtful things to people. Maybe you sort of have a karate tongue and you just kind of lay people out. Maybe you have a tendency to be selfish. Maybe some of you are hooked on pornography. Maybe some of you are just lazy. Maybe you'd say to God this morning, God, my, my problem is spending. I have a tendency to spend to make myself feel good. And I don't have the money and I'm overspending and I need to get my budget back in line. Maybe some of you have a tendency for your anger to get out of control. Whatever it is, just confess it to God. He knows your frame. He loves you. He's not going to cast you off. He's already died for all those things. He's not going to condemn you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to wipe the slate clean this morning. Give you a brand new, fresh start today. And that's why he brought you here. So maybe you just say, God, you know all about me. I can't hide anything from you. I can't fool you. I confess I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. But I want to be your mess. Help me to get victory over temptation in my life. Now, if you've never been born again or reborn, like James talked about this morning, well, today's your day. You can do that very, very easily. Through faith, repentance, and baptism, you can come to Jesus. Others of you are saying, I've done that. I'm a child of God. I'm still struggling. And I need prayer. One of our elders will meet you in the prayer room this morning. God, bless everyone here today who needs help in this area. In Jesus' name, amen.